and our brother Dan is going to read to us Ruth chapter 3. Good morning. Um, Join with me to read and listen to chapter 3 of Ruth, and let's listen in faith that God will use this to bless us and build us up this morning. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry... He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and she turned over, and was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, "Who are you?" And she answered, "I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer." And he said, "May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter." You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, Then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the young woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest but will settle the matter today. Anyone else have some pretty serious questions about what's going on here in chapter (laughs) 3? Yep, me too. Here are four questions that I hope to answer with the Spirit's powerful help. First, why does Naomi tell Ruth to uncover Boaz's feet and then lie down? What does Ruth mean by, take me under your wing? Why does Boaz refer to Ruth as my daughter? And finally, why does Boaz instruct Ruth to stay until morning, but then try to keep her presence at the threshing floor a secret? Anybody else have another question? 
I tried to ask the big ones, but there could obviously be others. Okay, let's go after these. Here's the thing. Even if we answer every question that we have about this text, we are still left wondering why this chapter exists in the book of Ruth and why this chapter exists in the Bible at all. There's some kind of peculiar things going on here. And so it still leaves us with these questions. Why did the author include it? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire it? Maybe most importantly for our purposes, what should followers of Jesus know and believe and obey based on Ruth chapter 3? There is no way around it. Portions of this chapter are very puzzling, and you might even say cringe-worthy. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to feel the cringe-worthiness of this situation so that we see how honorably Boaz and Ruth behaved in it. Does that make sense? Here's what I want you to believe today. Foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. Foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. Now, if you look back up in your Bible at Ruth chapter 2, right at the very end of Ruth chapter 2 in verse 23, it ends with these words, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Boaz has demonstrated his kindness, his goodness, his generosity to Ruth in chapter 2, but she's still living with her mother-in-law. Now, I don't mean that as some kind of a joke or throwaway line. This is the reality for Ruth. And more importantly, this is the reality for Naomi. Naomi has no husband. She has no one to care for her. Her sons are both dead, and her closest relative is this Moabite daughter-in-law who lives with her. Do you see how the Spirit of God at the end of chapter 2 sets us up for what's next? Kids, Tangled, you like that one? Tangled, right? The story of Rapunzel, if you don't have little kids, a little Disney movie about Rapunzel and her long hair. There's a, there's a scene in uh, Tangled that is quite cringeworthy as well. It's the, it's the scene where Mother Gothel sings Mother Knows Best. Now, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but I suspect most of us, either you've seen it and you're probably like, yeah, whatever, I got it. You're not, it's not like a big, you know, action movie where I'm giving away the the plot of the movie, okay? But if you go back and you listen to this song, Mother Knows Best, it's cringeworthy because everything that Mother Gothel is saying to Rapunzel is manipulative. She's twisting the truth. She's holding back the truth. She's overstating things in order to keep Rapunzel locked up in the tower. But she sings, Mother Knows Best. 
Naomi does something like that here in these first five verses. Mother-in-law knows best. Let me tell you what you should do. Here's how we should respond. Maybe Naomi is impatient. If we track through the chronology of what's going on, they came back at the beginning of barley harvest, uh, at the end of chapter 1, and, and now at the beginning of chapter 3, they're doing what? Th- threshing, right? They're threshing grain. So six to eight weeks have passed, and maybe Naomi is just impatient. And she's like, are we going to get to the bottom of this? Thank you very much. Are we going to get to the, this relationship rolling or not? Maybe Naomi is just impatient, not willing to wait any longer. Maybe she's frustrated with Boaz's lack of initiative in the relationship. Maybe she has seen God's kindness on display through Boaz in his great generosity to them, but she figures God could use some of my help. We need to kickstart this relationship. I think verse 1 helps us to discern that Naomi's intentions are good. Look at it in your Bible, in your phone. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? What is Naomi thinking about? A husband. That's what she means. Shouldn't I find you a husband, someone that you can find safety and security and significance in, a a place to call your own, a home? Shouldn't I seek that rest for you, someone who will take take care of you? She wants a husband for Ruth. But Naomi's ambitious plan is just full, full of danger, full of drama, full of potential disappointment. If you have the guide open, you can look. I'm not going to read this text, but Hosea chapter 9 tells us about the things that happen at the threshing floor. Scandalous things. The threshing floors are outside of town. We're living in the lawless time of the judges. Naomi tells Ruth, go out to the threshing floor at night. Ruth could have been abducted, mistreated, left for dead, and most people wouldn't even care. She's a Moabite, a foreigner. Who cares? Boaz could be offended... By Ruth's forwardness. Boaz himself could take advantage of Ruth. And if it came to it, he could just lie. Who is going to believe the Moabitess compared to him? No one would ever believe her when she tried to tell what really happened that night. Bible scholars tell us that the Hebrew words in verses 1 through 5 are intentionally ambiguous. 
we don't get insight into what Naomi is thinking. Did you notice that? The narrator doesn't tell us what she is thinking. We only have the words that she says and then what she tells Ruth to do. But we don't really know what, what is the thought bubble right now above Naomi's head. How did you come up with this plan? Since we don't know what Naomi is thinking, we're not supposed to know. We're supposed to wonder at what's going on here. It's intended to set us up with some tension in the story that we just don't know the answer to. These verses are intentionally ambiguous. Naomi knows that Moabites are forbidden. Why? Because they seduced God's people. Maybe Naomi is expecting Ruth the Moabitess to seduce Boaz and therefore kickstart this relationship. Maybe Naomi is just trying to be a helpful mother-in-law and, and get things moving relationally. Mother-in-laws do that sometimes. We don't know. It's ambiguous. We can say this. Naomi's plan creates an inappropriate and a very awkward situation for Ruth and Boaz. Here's what I mean by that. If you notice in your Bible the words uncover, the words feet, and the words lie, these three words are used euphemistically throughout Scripture. That means you use these words when you don't want to use less appropriate words. When I was a kid, uh, in, in our house, we were forbidden from using the word but with two T's, just so, just so that's clear. Instead, our parents, my parents, taught us to, to say, you need to use the word bum, This is a euphemism, right? They wanted us to use the word bum instead of this other word that they felt was less appropriate to use. That's what's going on here in the text. We're intended to wonder about these words that are used elsewhere in Scripture euphemistically. We should also remember that Ruth's people, the Moabite people, are the descendants of Lot's daughter getting her father drunk, uncovering him, and lying with him. Do you see what I mean about ambiguous? So, used in the context of a midnight meeting between a man and a woman who are not married, these words describe an inappropriate and a very awkward situation. Look what happens. Verse number five. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. 
after Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of a pile of barley. What's he doing? He's guarding his pile. He's guarding his pile of barley. And she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled. We don't have to wonder why. His feet were cold, right? At midnight, Boaz was startled. He turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. The ESV inserts the word, behold, there's there's a woman here. So he asked, who are you? Now, (laughs) we know who it is because we've read through verses 1 through 4. So we know that this is uh, Ruth. But Boaz is in the middle of this threshing floor outside of town. It's dark. He doesn't have a flashlight. He can't, you know, whip out his phone and try to get the control panel down so he can turn on the flashlight for his phone and figure out who it is. This is a sincere question. Who are you? And why are you here? When he asked this question, because we're tracking with the awkwardness of the situation, then we know that this question is loaded with intrigue. Who is this at his feet? It could be a servant girl. It could be a woman offering her company for money like Hosea 9 talks about. Here's what I love about the character Ruth in chapter 3. Naomi puts her into a dangerous, awkward situation. But the moment Ruth has the opportunity to clarify her intentions and clearly state why she is there, she removes all doubt. How honorable. Look at verse number 9. It's the second half of the verse. I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. See how she removes all doubt about her intentions? She's not going to leave this situation ambiguous. Foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. Ruth's purpose is so much greater than a one-night stand. Ruth's purpose is greater than Naomi's purpose. Naomi wants a husband for Ruth. What does Ruth want? She wants an heir for Naomi. Naomi is a widow with no sons. Ruth is committing herself to raising up an heir so that Elimelech's line can be continued. Ruth's firstborn will become Naomi's Elimelech's heir and carry on his family line. Ruth, wa- I'm sorry, Naomi wants a husband for Ruth. But Ruth wants an heir for Naomi. 
She's thinking about something much greater. We saw this word wings last week in chapter 2. Boaz said this. It's in chapter 2 in verse 12. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Last week, we saw, he affirms, Boaz affirms, Yahweh will give you the rest that you're looking for. He will be your refuge. He will be your security. You have come to the right place. You've come to the right God. Yahweh will open up his wing, and you can find shelter underneath that wing. Refuge. Security. Provision now and hope for your future. What is Ruth doing? Take, take me under your wing. Ruth says, you made that promise. You gave me an affirmation about Yahweh as a refuge. You made a blessing for me. You be the means by which that blessing is made real in my life. Will you redeem me from the brokenness of my past? Will you absorb the shame that's going to go along with bringing an outcast into your family? Will you pay my debts? Will you meet all of my needs? Will you give up your son as a savior for others? Will you provide rest and security and significance? Ruth's statement points us straight to the gracious plan of God, doesn't it? God redeems sinners from their brokenness, and through the shame of the cross, He welcomes outcasts into His family. Through the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, the debt of sin has been fully paid. God the Father gave up His Son Jesus, His firstborn, His his, his son, the son that he loved, he gave him up as a savior for others. Jesus is the rest and the security and the significance for hopeless, broken, restless people like us. Boaz's next statement demonstrates that he also is not misled by the ambiguity and the awkwardness of the situation that Naomi created. When he calls Ruth my daughter, we know this. He is not going to take advantage of her. He is not belittling her. He is elevating Ruth, giving her standing 
He blesses Ruth. Why? Because she is more concerned about Naomi than about herself. He promises to do whatever is necessary. He proves his honor. I am a redeemer, but there's another redeemer, a closer redeemer, someone else in the family of line who has first right to redeem this property. How honorable of Boaz. He guards her her reputation. He, He protects her from having to travel back to town at night. Stay here. I'm guarding the grain. I will also guard you. And then he watches over her reputation so that when she heads home, it's still dark and he makes it clear there's not going to be any gossip about what has happened here tonight. And then he provides Ruth and Naomi with another 80 pounds of grain. This gets lost in the ESV, but in the Christian Standard Version, what it's talking about giving her the grain. She opens up her coat, her outer garment, and he loads up the grain. The CSB says he shoveled it in. 80 pounds of grain. Notice how Naomi responds the next morning when Ruth arrives at home. Naomi said, verse 18, My daughter, wait until you find out how things will go. This is not the Naomi of verses 1 through 5. She's restless. She's anxious. Lots of foolish ambition gets in the way. My daughter, wait until you find out how things go for he, for Boaz, won't rest unless he resolves this today. Verse 1, Naomi seeks rest for Ruth in the arms of a husband, but in her foolish ambition, she creates this inappropriate and thoroughly awkward situation for Boaz and Ruth. But her foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. Ruth pursues a greater purpose than a husband for herself. She's about an heir for Naomi. Boaz is a redeemer, but he makes it clear there's another redeemer There's someone closer, and we're going to have to go and make this right and sort this out and figure out who is going to take responsibility for Naomi and for Ruth. But I wonder, as we look at Ruth, in light of what we know about the gospel of Jesus, Is it not true that we also see another Redeemer? Beyond Boaz stands God, 
And he is reaching out his arms to his prodigal daughter, Naomi, calling her back, calling her out of her depression, calling her out of her brokenness, calling her out of her sinful running, calling her away from her foolish ambition and saying, I have this. I'm taking care of you. My purposes are greater than what you're thinking. And behind Boaz, there's another Redeemer calling out to Ruth, reaching out his arms to his daughter, Ruth, calling her from another people, an idolatrous, sinful, outcast, forbidden people. Calling her from restlessness to rest. Calling her out of insecurity and into assurance. Calling her from being completely unseen in the community to being eternally significant in God's eyes. That same God reaches out His arms to you. Do you know this Redeemer? His name is Jesus. God sent him to bring sinners like you and me into a relationship with himself. Don't think, I have failed so badly. I have sinned so much. There can't possibly be hope for me. Your foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. God has brought you this far. He has brought you here in order to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He invites you to participate in His greater purpose, seeking His glory, spreading all over this world. Are you restless? Do you feel hopeless? Are you tired of being unseen? We can chase rest, and we can chase security, and we can chase significance in a dozen different ways. And you know your temptations, and I know my temptations. Our foolish ambition is no match for the purpose of God. Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The arms of your Redeemer are open, and He is rest. If you're weary from trying harder, if you're weary of being better, if you're weary of doing more, come to Jesus. If you're burdened by your sin, if you're burdened by your weakness, if you're burdened by your constant failure, come to Jesus. Jesus is rest for the restless. Jesus is assurance for the hopeless. Jesus is significance for the unseen. Let's pray together.
Father, your word is good. And by your spirit, it speaks right to our hearts. You know where we have chased foolish ambition this week, where we have run ahead of your plan, where we have strayed away from what you are doing, seeking our own cheap thrills. Thank you for, by your Spirit, calling us back. Thank you that through the work of Jesus, you have forgiven us of our sins. Thank you that our Redeemer stands with open arms, inviting those who are weary and those who are burdened to come and find rest in Him. We need that rest. Remind us, Lord Jesus, that we need this rest. Call us back again and again and again through the powerful work of Your Holy Spirit and the cleansing work of Your Word Remind us that we belong to you. Remind us that we have hope because of you. Give us assurance where we feel insecure. Help us to remember that because we are in Christ, we are eternally significant, even though we may feel momentarily unseen. Thank you for doing this work in our hearts. Would you grant faith and repentance to someone who has never believed the gospel today? Maybe today would be the first time that they would see behind Boaz another Redeemer, calling them away from their foolish ambition and into your great purpose. Grant faith Grant repentance today. You give good gifts. Give these good gifts today so that we respond with faith and repentance and ongoing belief because of your persevering grace. We ask this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.